What is up and welcome back to the Build A Better You podcast. I'm your host, Austin Chan. And today we're going to be talking about my top three glute exercises. And I'm actually pretty pumped and pretty stoked to do this episode because I feel like it's a very popular topic, especially with me having a primarily female audience. And so obviously females are obsessed with training their glutes. And, you know, that that's a fair reason. I'm not saying it as like a negative thing. And so that being said, because my audience is primarily female, I want to be creating content that kind of caters to their, to their specific needs and wants. And so with that being said, I'm not specifically targeting females or yeah, making content exclusively for females. I make content that is applicable for anyone. But yeah, that being said, I think glutes are a very attractive and good looking body part that anyone should be developing. And if anything, guys out there, you should be developing your glutes too. I know for me, I within this past year or year and a half, I want to say, I've been really, not obsessed, but I've been really looking into glute development and just really, I'm just really liking my training overall with having more of a glute focus. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the movements are pretty fun. And with anything, I feel like just getting stronger and getting better and seeing like visual development on any muscle group is pretty damn awesome. So yeah, with with, with that being said, like, doesn't matter who you are, what your gender is, develop your glutes, and no one's ever going to complain that you have a good-looking ass, right? And then for the sake of simplicity, we're just going to be focusing on the glute max. And if anything, I think truthfully, training the glute max is you is typically all you need because that is going to be the majority of the muscle there. Like your glute max is the biggest muscle. I think it's the biggest muscle in your body. So developing that it's going to give you already a good looking shapely pair of glutes and all the other glute parts like you don't want to develop those too much like i don't know what the obsession is with glute medius but honestly you just need a little bit of work on the glute medius and that's it and if anything you should be striving for even glute development because if one part of your glute just looks bigger than the other then it just looks weird like you want balance and symmetrical glutes right so with that being said I also want to do this episode because I found that I um, have a lot of my audience being consisted of females. So, you know, obviously, girls are always obsessed with growing their glutes. So I figured why not just do an episode on that. And hopefully, uh, this will help a lot of you out in knowing what exercises to pick to keep your training efficient. Because, I mean, a- anyone can get results doing a billion exercises because you're doing a billion exercises. Like, obviously, if you do enough volume with a bunch of different exercises, you're going to see some growth or some change. But if you want to see change while also being efficient with it, you want to be picking the best exercises. Like, yeah, you can do 10 different exercises per workout. But like, honestly, who really has the time to do that? Or who really wants to spend that much amount of time doing that anyway? And without further ado, let's get into the top three glute exercises that I recommend. And starting off the list, it's going to be the barbell glute bridge. And you'll notice I said glute bridge, not hip thrust. And here are a, uh, I'm going to describe the reasons why. But first, for each of these exercises, I'm going to break it down into number one, what it trains. So what specific position or resistance profile of the glute is it going to train? How to perform this exercise? And then some common mistakes that I see people do while I'm working with them or that I just see it on social media in general. So um, going back to that, so the first exercise is going to be the barbell glute bridge. And so yeah, glute bridge, not hip thrust. And firstly, let's talk about what it trains. 
So it's going to train the shortened position of the glute max. So when we talk about training muscles, we want to, if you want to maximize hypertrophy or just growing a muscle to its fullest potential, you want to be training the muscle, you want to be taking the muscle through different resistance profiles. And what I mean by this is basically do you, when you do different exercises for a specific muscle, be it like your deltoids or your biceps or your triceps, you want to be picking exercises that change up the resistance profile. So obviously different exercises, even though that they're training the same muscle, they can affect the muscle differently because of the way you are positioned, of the way the exercise is set up. Gravity is going to affect the muscle differently. And so you want to be varying um, your exercises because of the fact that they vary like how much resistance is at what point of the exercise for that muscle. And we can get into the nuances like some some muscles have different parts. So obviously you choose different exercises for that. But for when we only talk about the glutes, you want to be picking exercises that only target the different resistance profiles because honestly, the glute max does not have like a bunch of different divisions. I know there are some influencers out there that say, oh, if you want to target your upper glutes or your mid glutes or your lower glutes or blah, blah, blah. There is no such thing as your upper glutes or lower glutes. Your glute maximi- your gluteus maximus or the muscle that we're talking about, it's literally just one huge muscle. It's not separated into any different sections. So when you're choosing exercise to train your glute max, you ju- you're just training your glute max. There's no upper or lower glutes. You're just growing the entire muscle. Okay, with that being said, the barbell glute bridge. So glute bridge, not hip thrust. And... How to perform this exercise first off not off the floor because that's going to turn into a hip thrust and this is in the name itself so hip thrust is when you're thinking about forcefully thrusting something whereas a glute bridge you're basically just forming a bridge with your glutes so it's in the name if you ever get confused those are the separating factors for it so first off not off the floor keep it elevated because we want to be focusing on the bridging portion of the exercise now not and there are a couple variations on this when people when i say glute bridge a lot of people go straight to thinking about doing a glute bridge off the floor so there's nothing wrong with doing it this way but i think it's much better if you do it elevated so with your back onto a bench or a box or something to help support your back and then you want to be forming that bridge so that when you're at the uh, the finished portion of the movement, your entire body should be forming a straight line or a bridge. And I find that the resistance is a lot better than doing it off the floor. And you're also not like jamming your neck and your upper back into the floor if you're doing it off the floor and your body's kind of at like an angle, your typical glute bridge that a lot of people think of. And again, this is not a thrust. And the reason I keep saying this over and over again is because when we look at it, what is the glute max's primary function or what is it made to do? It's best at doing something called hip extension. So this is when you drive your hips forward. If we look at this from an evolutionary standpoint, your glute max was developed because we as humans, when we started um, going from on all fours, when you started standing up on two legs, this is where the glute max was kind of developed through an evolutionary standpoint. So its main purpose is to drive your hips forward in motions such as walking or running. And so when we think about it, if its primary function is hip extension, when we turn that into a hip thrust and when we like kind of pick it apart, the glute max is maximally active only at the very top 
end of the motion. And so now you may be asking, so what's going on at the other, what, three quarters of the hip thrust? That's basically a lot of quads and hamstrings because you're getting a lot of knee flexion and extension. You're at that very bottom of the three quarters of the movement and only at the very top do you get a lot of hip extension. So when you're doing a hip thrust, a hip thrust is more so, I like to look at it more so as a full like explosive lower body movement it's not it's not really a gluten max exercise it's more so a very lower body explosive power exercise so and and you can even see this when a lot of people complain oh i feel like in the hip thrust you know my glutes are very active not my glutes sorry i feel like my quads are very active or my hamstrings are very active this is because literally the hip thrust does not focus a lot on the glute max like the glute max is only active in that very top end of the portion and so if you want to focus on your glute max rather than just doing hip thrusts and trying to get the most for your glute maxes at the very end of the motion just cut out three quarters of the exercise by doing a glute bridge and so in order to do this we you want to set up your back on a bench and you want to minimize a lot of momentum so the main points to look out for is to keep your shins vertical the entire time. So when you set up, you wanna make sure that your shins are 90 degrees from the ground, so they are straight up and down. And at the very beginning, if you, when you just do, okay, just practice this, when you do the beginning part of a thrust, you'll see that you get a lot of knee movement, right? And that's that's why, because you're getting a lot of knee movement. What, what attaches the knee? the quads and the hamstrings. So when you're getting a lot of knee movement, that means a lot of your quads and hamstrings are active during that portion. And when you try to keep that shin vertical, you'll notice that your quads and your hamstrings don't really get all that engagement. And then you can really focus on the hip extension portion and really getting the most out of your glute max. And so really focus on that 90 degree angle from your shin to the ground and then I guarantee you'll feel um, a huge difference. And then the next thing is that you want to minimize momentum because the glute bridge is not an explosive movement. Let me say that again. If you want to focus on the hip extension, you want to minimize the amount of momentum you're using because, again, you want to be focusing on the very end range of the motion and really focusing on the bridging part because it is not a thrust, it is not an explosive lower body movement. And so... A lot of the cues that I give is that you want to squeeze into the motion. So you want to control the eccentric down, bring your hips down as far as you can go until you feel the point where that your, your shins start kind of tipping towards you. And so right before that point, right before your shins even start moving, like you do not want any shin movement at all. So right before your shins start coming towards you, stop right there and then push your hips back up and then slowly work within that small range of motion and you'll start to kind of feel out the exercise. And I guarantee you, you will feel your glutes burn like none other. It is a completely game-changing movement. And then last thing, uh, last cue as a part of this exercise is that you want to set up on the bench so that your upper back or rather your the base of your shoulder blades, so where your shoulder, the bottom of your shoulder blades are, you want to use that as a pivot point on the bench, on the box, whatever it is you're setting up on. And I find that for most people, that's just the best position for people to set up at, helps them maintain a neutral spine and helps them use that as kind of a pivot point for the glute bridge.
And so moving on to the next point here, it's going to be common mistakes I see. Again, turning this into a thrust using too much momentum. When you use too much momentum and you're not focused on the eccentric and contract, and the, I mean, you, I guess you are using the concentric more. So you want to be focusing on the eccentric motion as well. If you want to maximize muscle growth and hypertrophy, you want to be focusing on controlling the eccentric. So when you're using a bunch of momentum, you kind of give it more like reactionary forces. So the harder you thrust up, you might just feel like there, there's kind of like a bounce back or bounce down. And then this will just force you down and then you probably get too much range of motion and then you'll move past the active range of motion for the glutes and you'll start involving other muscles. So you definitely don't wanna to use too much thrusting or momentum. And again, it's a really small range of motion. So you don't wanna to go too far down and then to start involving like the quads or the hamstrings. And so if you really wanna focus in that small range of motion, try not to use as much momentum. And then another common mistake, starting from the ground, again, this is not a thrust motion, this is a bridge motion. So you're basically just trying to form a bridge with your glutes. And then another common mistake I see is that people don't use neutral spine. So people, a lot of people complain about back pain or not feeling their glutes, and then they arch the hell out of their upper back or yeah, and even lower back at that point because your spine just kind of moves as one. So not using a neutral spine. When you're not using a neutral spine, you start involve, you start getting a lot of spinal flexion and extension. So basically this just means the bending of your spine. And because your spine is not neutral and you're getting a lot of bending out of the spine, you're also working a lot of the spinal muscles. And when you're distributing the load across multiple muscles, that means less of the work is being done by the actual glute maximus. Like, let, let aside that you should not be getting a lot of spine movement. Like, if you work a lot of muscles, obviously all those muscles are working, so that means less work is being done by each of them because it's being distributed by more. Think about this like, you know, spreading spreading out some weight rather than having it just like on one point. So yeah, not using neutral spine is a very common mistake. Really maintain that neutral spine. A good cue for a lot of people is to keep their chin tucked. And again, yeah, using that upper back point as a pivot point and then really bracing your abs should really help keep everything nice and stable and straight there. And then last mistake here, it's gonna be using bands. Honestly, throwing bands on a hip thrust, I mean not hip thrust, throwing bands on a glute bridge or a hip thrust, it doesn't do anything more in terms of getting your glutes engaged. Like your glutes, again, their primary function is hip extension, not abduction, not abduction, abduction, not that. Its primary function is just moving your hips forward and back. Or not back, but its primary function is just moving your hips forward in that plane of movement. And so when you start doing abduction and then that, that's basically just your legs moving out and out and in, that's not the glute maximus. The glute maximus does not do that. So when you start throwing bands on it, it really does nothing. And you're better off just not using a band and just really focusing on that glute bridge. All right, now that we covered all that, let's get into the second exercise. And so this is gonna be the RDL or Romanian deadlift. And so there's, I wouldn't say a lot, there, there's a little bit of controversy around this, especially when I made a post on TikTok, got a lot of like unnecessary feedback on from people who think they know 
glute development and anatomy and biomechanics, but they really don't. So I'm going to talk about the RDL and how I like to cue it, how I think it works best for people to get the most out of this movement. Again, we're going to cover these each of these categories. So that first off, we're going to cover what it trains. So what it trains, it's going to train the mid-range position of the glute max. And so I don't remember if I covered this in the previous exercise, but basically the gar the barbell glute bridge is going to train the shortened position of the glute max. So when we look about look at the range of motion of your glutes, so again, its primary function is hip extension. So the opposite of hip extension is going to be hip flexion or bringing your your thigh as close to your body as possible. That's going to be getting it into its most stretched position and then hip extension when we bring your leg all the way back and like it like at the when you bring your leg back when you run or sprint that's going to be full hip extension so obviously the barbell glute bridge it's going to be training that muscle in the most short position and again this goes back to the whole resistance profiles things we want to be training a muscle and taking it through these different resistance curves and really stressing it in order to maximize muscle growth and hypertrophy. So again, going back to RDL, this trains the mid-range position. So barbell glute bridge, it's going to train that end range of motion where we get that full hip extension. So that's the short position because your glute maximus is contracted the most. So that means the muscle is in its most shortened position. It's, it's the most short because it's in full extension. And then when we go down a notch for the RDL, when we think about the the hinge motion of a Romanian deadlift, it's kind of mid-range because when you're standing up, gravity's pulling down and the, your glutes are basically not loaded to any extent. So it doesn't really do anything for the shortened position. And then for the lengthened position, not really because you're not getting full, you're not getting max hip flexion with the RDL. So it's going to be mid-range. And then next point is some cues on how to perform the exercise. Number one, this is, Oh my gosh, this is very controversial. Like some people still don't believe this. So number one, this is very important. Close stance, not sumo stance, not wide stance, close stance. And the reason for this is because when we look, okay, I'm gonna, I want you to Google right now, Google glute maximus anatomy. And then you'll see a bunch of like anatomy pictures of the glute maximus. And I want you to see that the way the muscle is positioned on your body so it originates, or that, that's just a fancy way of saying it, where it starts on your body. And it's going to start, you know, I think right, right in the, like the upper part of your butt cheeks. That's where it is. It starts right there in like the middle of your hip bones. And then it's going to insert. So origin, it originates there. Inserts is where the, uh, where it kind of, yeah, inserts into another bone and then when that muscle pulls, that's the motion that it creates. And so when we look at where how the muscle uh, is inserted, it inserts into the upper part of your femur or your thigh bone. And then when it pulls and contracts, it performs hip extension, which is bringing your thigh bone like as back as it can. And yeah, driving your hip, hips as back as it can. So that's why we want close stance. Because otherwise, if it was a, if it was, if wide stats work better, then that means it would be inserting more towards the outer part of your thigh, which it doesn't. It inserts right in the back of your thigh bone. And so it's going to work best 
just moving in that straight line and bringing your thigh straight back. That's why we want close stance. So with that in mind, by doing close stance, you get the maximal amount of hip flexion extension with this movement. So yeah, you can get the maximum amount of stretch on the glutes. And when you want to worry about muscle growth and hypertrophy, you want to be maximizing its range of motion. You don't want to do other range of motions that make it make that muscle work less. And then next point, it's going to be toes forward. So obviously, don't point your toes in or out. You want everything straight. You can maximize hip flexion and hip extension when you start to turn your toes out and in. That that just messes with it. It turns on your internal external rotators, which we don't again we don't want to load. We want to be picking movements that load the glute max the most if you want to be growing that um, particular muscle. And the next point, if you want to bias your hamstrings more or target more of your hamstrings, keep your legs straight because if we talk if we look at what the hamstring does, it does uh knee flexion so that means it's going to bend your knees and so if you want to train your hamstrings a bit more then you want to keep those legs straight that that way you get more of a stretch on the hamstrings and you take the hamstrings through a bigger range of motion if you want to target the glutes more rather than the hamstrings then you want a slight knee bend because when you bend your knees you shorten the hamstring a little bit so that takes it a little bit out of the equation Obviously, with an RDL, you're not going to get no hamstrings because the, um, there's, a, the ham, there's another part of the hamstrings where it attaches from your knee joint to your hip joint. So there's no way around that. So you're, gonna, you're always going to train part of the hamstrings. But you can bend your knees slightly so that you take more of the hamstrings out of the equation so you get more glutes for the exercise itself. So yeah, so if you want to bias hamstrings, leg straight. If you want to bias the glute max slight knee bend and then another cue i give is that if you want to get as much of a stretch as you can out of this movement push your butt back as far as you can and i see a lot of people make this mistake they think about bending over when really it's about pushing your hips back as much as you can and that's really what this hip hinge movement is so it's that's why it's called a hip hinge because you want to hinge at the hips and so in order to do that best, you want to be pushing your butt back as far as you can. And this is one little trick I like to use with a lot of clients I work with. And so if you have a friend that you go to the gym with, do th- use this as a tip and as a cue. So have them stand, you know, if, if you're super friendly with each other, you can use your hands. But with clients, especially working with female clients, I can't do that. So I use, I usually grab like a PVC pipe. I'll put it a few inches away from their butt. And I'll tell them, push your butt back as far as you can and try to touch the stick with your butt. And, and it works 100% of the time. They'll, and if they like, as, as far as they, they'll, they'll try and push back as far as they can. And then usually I'll kind of move the stick back if they're not pushing their butt back far enough. And then, yeah, I'll give it a little tap if they're good. And then that usually helps a lot of people know like what the hip hinge movement is and for the first time ever, they actually really feel the exercise working their glutes and their hamstrings. So that's a good tip if you want to know how to feel the movement better. And then a next tip for this exercise is going to be maintaining a neutral spine. Again, with any loaded movement that requires um, you to stand up with your spine, you want to be keeping a neutral spine. You don't want to flex or bend your spine too much because then you're just loading the spine in different directions and it's not made to do that it's made to be very 
rigid and stable, especially your lower back. And then that's, this is why a lot of people get lower back problems because they're putting their lower back in weird compromised positions. Which brings me to my next point is that whatever it is you're holding, wherever your hand position is, you only need to go down to about your knees or just below your knees or so. And this is going to apply to most people. Some people can obviously get more range of motion. Some people might get less. But overall, going down to just about your knees or just below your knees, you're going to reach the full active range of motion for your hamstrings and glutes. And so when we talk about active range of motion, this is the maximum range of motion that your muscles are going to be active. So obviously, you can probably go more than that, but you're going to start working other muscles. You're going to start, you know, getting you're going to start disengaging certain muscles. And so obviously when you're wanting to train a certain muscle, you don't want to do that because you want to be only maximizing the tension on that specific muscle group. And so, yeah, for most people, this is just me go be going down to you about your knees or just below your knees or so. And then I'm gonna go over a, li- a little bit of this in the common mistakes. And, but where I'm going to cover all the points on how to perform this specific exercise. And again, you want to really hinge into the motion, really focus on pushing your hips back as far as you can your upper body will remain upright because you want to be maintaining that neutral spine and the only motion that should be happening is at the hips so you want to be pushing the hips back your body's going to naturally come forward because you're holding a weight in your hand but generally the hip hinge it's going to be just pushing your hips back your body's going to naturally come forward but you should not be losing that neutral spine you want to be maintaining that neutral spine so upper body nice and rigid and then last point on how to perform this exercise for RDL. And so in terms of uh, equipment selection, I have a preference for, so first choice, if you have access to this, is using a trap bar. And so if you don't know what a trap bar is, it's it's also called a hex bar. It's the one where the you have two handles, kind of neutral grip on the side. So when you're gripping it, your hands, your palms are going to be facing uh, together. And then it's going to, it's going to have kind of a, hex, a hexagon pattern. And then there's the bar that kind of travels around your body. And then you load the plates on the side. So first choice is going to be trap bar because the weight's loaded. It's loaded evenly because of the, the way it's built. All the weight is going to be loaded equally around your body rather than holding like a barbell. It's going to all the weight is just like in front of you. So trap bar is best because it fits a lot of people's structures. So when we're... When we talk about picking exercises, we want to be picking exercises that allow your body to be as natural as possible or in the anatomical position. And yeah, that's just a fancy way of saying as natural as possible. So anatomical position is basically your body like being facing straight forward and then your palms facing each other. And as you can see with the trap bar, your palms are facing each other. So you're in Kind of that anatomical position you don't have to put your body in weird unnatural positions so trap bar is going to be my go-to if you have access to that if you don't second choice it's going to be dumbbells and obviously most gyms have dumbbells and the reason why i say dumbbells is because even though it's it yeah you the only drawback to dumbbells is that you can't load them as much because when you get stronger than a certain point like when you can deadlift more than like 200 something pounds Obviously, holding like a pair of 100-something pound dumbbells, it's not going to be easy as well as you can't load anymore because most gyms I see, they only go up to maybe 120, 140-pound dumbbells. And if you can't increase the load after that, it's going to be hard to keep 
progressing, just adding reps. You don't want to be repping out the 100 pound dumbbells for like 30, 50 reps at that point. So dumbbells are going to be second choice. That's why they're the second choice. And then in terms of range of motion, yeah, they're, you can hold them like a trap bar. Like you can hold them off to the side and get that neutral grip. You don't have to hold them like in a specific way. And then that brings me to the last choice. It's going to be barbells because you're kind of pushing pushing yourself into like a straight bar and like really locking yourself. And so it's kind of an unnatural position that your, hand, your palms are going to be facing behind you. And then you're kind of in that position where your shoulders are internally rotated. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but again, we want to be picking exercises that put you in a anatomical position or the most natural position for your body as possible and of course with a barbell puts you in an unnatural position with your arms just fixed in front of you and palms facing back and then also because of the way the weight is positioned so in a barbell you're literally holding all of the weight in front of you this will load kind of your spinal extensors or your spinal erectors like your lower back muscles more and obviously, when we want to be training your glutes and hamstrings, we want to load that muscle as much as possible. So that is why barbell is going to be my last choice. But obviously, if you if you don't have those first two choices, if you have too much load to carry, and then you just simply can be repping out the, the 120 or 140 pound dumbbells doing RDLs. And obviously, if you want to keep increasing the load, do, doing a barbell is better than not like increasing the load at all. So trap bar, dumbbell, barbell are going to be top, top three from uh, most preferred to least preferred. And then now let's go into the common mistakes of RDLs. And so number one is going to be, I see this at the gym a lot. And so when people are doing RDLs, it looks like they're, they're bending over. And you, you can tell when a lot of people do this is that they'll just bend all the way down and then they'll bring like the dumbbells, whatever it is they're holding all the way down to like their toes. They think that they're trying to like touch their toes doing a stretch when this is not the RDL movement at all. And if you've seen my TikTok post on this, it you'll, you'll note ex exactly what I'm talking about. And this kind of connects to the second common mistake here is that doing it with too much range of motion. And so a lot of people think about the motion as bending over, which it's not, it's more of a hip hinge movement. And so again, like I said, your upper body is naturally going to bend forward in a hip hinge movement if you want to keep, if you want to hold that load in your hand as well as do the hip hinge properly. But with that being said, just because it's a bending over motion does not mean you should be focusing on bending over. And so you should be focusing on the hip hinge and let your upper body stay rigid and focusing on pushing your hips back as far as you can. And so a cue I usually give to fix this is that do I tell people do not think about bending over. Just have your upper body tall and straight and keep your chest nice and tall and then push your hips back. And then that usually helps people kind of do the motion and keep their upper body rigid while pushing their hips back and really doing the uh, the hip hinge correctly. And then again to the next point, too much range of motion. Again, like I said earlier on how to perform the exercise, you should only be going down when your hand position is down to your knees or just below the knees. That should be a good full active range of motion for most people. Of course, like I said, some people can go farther up, some people can go farther down. Just depends on the way you're built. But most people, 
they would do way too much range of motion and they'll bring the dumbbell or the barbell all the way down to their toes. And yeah, if you see my TikTok, you know, this is actually one of the reasons why a lot of people are like, oh, I feel in my lower back or I'm getting like lower back pain doing RDLs. It's because of this single, single reason. And if you've seen my TikTok, I do a full video demonstration on this. And so when you go as far down as you can, for a lot of people, when you go farther down, you get out of that active range of motion of the hamstrings and glutes. And like I said, when you get out of that active range of motion, you start involving other muscle groups. And so in that video, you'll see specifically when I go past down my act, past my active range of motion, you'll see my lower back start to round. And this is because the once you get out of the active range of motion, the glutes and hamstrings are no longer in tension. It's going to be going to some other muscles and... For a lot of people, this is going to be going straight to their lower back, which, again, causes a lot of lower back pain, lower back irritation, and just they, just, they, they feel lower back engagement rather than their glutes and hamstrings. And this is why more range of motion is never necessarily better because when you take a muscle past its active range of motion, you're not working that muscle anymore and you start involving other muscle groups that you didn't intend to train. So with all that being said, stop bending over. Think about hip hinge and pushing the hips back while maintaining a tall upper body. And then stop using too much range of motion. Just go down to your knees or just below the knees and until you feel that stretch. The longer you do this, you'll kind of feel out where that point, where that tipping point is of getting like past your active range of motion and then you start involving the lower back. You'll start to kind of have a feel for this. But for now, for most people, try using a mirror and then try hip hinging and pushing your butt back as far as you can. And then kind of find that tipping point where you feel your lower back kind of starts around and you lose that neutral spine. And then that should be where your full active range of motion for your hamstrings and glutes are. And so that being said, last common mistake I see. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say this is really a common mistake. But doing a sumo RDL thing that it's more glutes or it's better. Again, this is why I said close stance because when we think about your glute max and the way it's oriented and positioned on your body, you don't want to be externally rotating and abducting your hips because when you spread your legs and you point them out, you actually lose tension off the glutes and you, again, you start to involve other muscles that you didn't intend to train like your, your adductors or your inner thighs and then your uh, external rotation muscles and so... If you want to be focusing on primarily the glute maximus, just do your close stance RDLs. You can do, I'm not saying don't do sumo stance stuff, but don't do that with the intention of thinking it's going to grow your glutes any better because it's not. In fact, it's doing the opposite. All right. And then now we are on to our last exercise. And so this is going to be a split squat or a lunge movement. Yeah, some sort of single leg movement, but I highly recommend either picking a lunge or a split squat. And so again, covering the three different points. Number one, what it trains. So this is going to train the lengthened position of the glute maximus. So again, when we talk about different ranges of motion for your glutes, we have the shortened range, we have the mid range, and then now we have the most lengthened position. And so when you think about your body, the most lengthened position is where it's going to be the opposite of what the muscle does. So because the glutes are best at doing hip extension or bringing your leg back, the opposite of that is going to be hip flexion. So bringing your thigh as close to your upper body as you can, 
that's going to be maximizing hip flexion. So as you can see in a split squat and a lunge, when you go get all the way down into a split squat or a lunge, you kind of get that maximal hip flexion because your thigh is coming as close to your upper body as possible. So this is going to really hammer out that part of the range of motion and really stress that part the most. And then another thing with single leg movements like split squats and lunges, it also trains kind of the, the stability aspect of the glute medius. And so you get a little bit of glute medius work there too. And then of course, doing single leg movements, you promote symmetry and balance because no one wants one glute looks looking a bit bigger or looking just a bit um, more perky or just looking different in general. People want people generally like symmetry and balance for both both sides of the body as yeah. And also another thing I forgot to mention about the glute medius is that its main its main function is actually stability. So when we look at what the purpose and the function of the glute medius does, it's basically its main function is pelvis stability. So the stability of your hips, especially when you are walking or running. And so you can actually test this out for yourself. So every time you take a step, I want you to feel the side of your butt where the, the leg that's planted on the ground, not the leg that's like swinging to like taking for taking your next step, but the hip that's like planted on the ground. I want you to feel the side of your hips. And you'll notice that every time you take a step, that part feels very firm and very contracted. And this is because that's what the glute medius is made for. It's made to stabilize the hips and kind of do something called a hip hike. So it actually like shifts your hips off to the side so that your other leg can kind of pass through without like smacking your foot on the ground and to take that other step. And so just a little insight on anatomy and like what the glute medius does, because I think that if you want to properly train a muscle, you want to be thinking about what its primary function is for the body. Because ultimately, when we think about it, like your muscles were not designed to be in the gym to go work out and do all this stuff. It was made for survival. It was made for specific movements from an evolutionary and functional perspective. So that's that's one of the considerations I take in when I'm like researching on what the best exercises are. It's taking into account like what what is what was this muscle like specifically made for from an evolutionary and functional perspective, not just oh, what gym exercises can I do to like best like target this muscle? Like that certainly does help from a programming perspective, but also you have to take into consideration what the muscle does because the, the main thing that a lot of people say in like the anatomy industry is that uh, form determines function. So basically just simply what the muscle looks like, it's mainly going to determine what it does on the body. All right, tangent aside, let's go on to the next point, how to perform this exercise. So the one that I prefer when you're choosing between a split squat or a lunge, obviously you can choose one over the other if you enjoy doing one more than the other. But personally, I prefer split squats because it just it just feels a lot more stable to me and I just personally, I just like it. So I, I just hate doing walking lunges and all that. So that's why I choose a split squat. And then... The main one that I choose, it's going to be the rear foot elevated one. And this is not to be confused with the the other version where your foot is flat against like an elevated bench. The one where if you were to put your foot up behind you, your laces would be facing down onto the bench. That's not the one I'm talking about. The one that I prefer to do is you want to get a box or a bench or something that's a little bit lower. And then 
you want to be planting that back ball of the foot down and you basically want to be jamming your ball of your foot down and the reason why we want to do this is because if you stabilize your hips if you yeah if you keep them stable and you keep that back foot planted onto something you get more stability and with more stability you're able to better contract and train the muscles that you want to do because if your hips are shifting around it's going to involve a lot of other muscles that have to do with hip stability but if you keep that stable you can get you can actually get more work contraction and output from the glute max and then another cue for this exercise really focus on the hinge a lot of people when they do this they just drop straight down and then they get a lot of knee flexion or knee movement and again when we want to be training glutes, we want to focus on getting that hip extension and flexion. So if you want to maximize that stretch on the glutes, you want to push your hips back and you basically don't want to drive your knees forward. You want to keep your knees still and just focusing on sitting, quote, sitting back into that movement and pushing the hips straight back and then come back up. And then that's basically the movement. And then another cue like to give if you want to get the most out of this exercise is to have a slight lean forward so that you kind of increase the hip flexion and increase the stretch on your glutes and a lot of people are afraid to do this leaning forward but i i will tell you right now it, it gets you the most crazy like glute contractions so yeah do not be afraid to lean forward and really shove the hips back when you're doing these split squats and then some common mistakes is that Again, some people do the, the flat back foot variation where their their foot is elevated onto a bench and then their laces are basically facing down and contact on the bench. Again, we want that back foot planted with kind of like you're, like you're on your tippy toes, but you want that back ball of the foot just planted onto some kind of flat like box or surface that slightly elevates it, but not too much to the point where you lose stability. Another common mistake is that, again, too much knee flexion. When you get too much knee flexion, then you start targeting the quads more. And again, if you want a glute-focused variation of a split squat, you want to be focusing on the hip, hip hinge and the hip flexion part. If you wanted to target your quads on this, you totally can. Just don't focus so much on the hip hinge and then just focus on driving the knees forward and getting, getting that maximum hip fle knee flexion. Sorry. So yeah. Another common mistake is not bending over. I mean, there's nothing wrong with not bending over, but if you want to get the most out of this exercise, then definitely bend over and get more hip flexion, more hip stretch, more glute stretch, and then you can really maximize these this exercise, especially if you want to target the glutes. And again, nothing wrong with it, just if you want to get the most out of targeting your glutes for this exercise. And then last common mistake is loading with a barbell. And so, yeah, I see a lot of people do this. Rather than holding dumbbells off to the side, they'll load a barbell on their back like not even like a Smith machine, they'll just straight up load a barbell on their back. And again, nothing wrong with this if you want to train an athletic movement and really want to work on your balance. But for the purposes of hypertrophy and growing a certain muscle, here's the thing, you want to be taking out as much stability as necessary so that you, you can solely focus on getting the most contraction or the most muscle that you're trying to work out of that specific exercise. And when you pick exercises that require you to do a lot of stability, you start working other muscles. This is why a lot of people say, oh, you know, do a bunch of common exercises that, be, that require you for the balance and stability because you want to work those stabilizing muscles. And 
again, when we take that concept and shift it over to this perspective, because you're working a lot of other stabilizing muscles, you get less work out of the muscle that you are intending to train and grow. And so when you want to maximize glute development, you want to be picking movements that don't take out, obviously you don't want to take out too much stability because you want, you still want the glute, me, glute medius to do some sort of stability, but you want to take out just enough. And obviously the barbell isn't doing much for you in terms of stability. It's just causing more instability and you're going to have to use more stabilizing muscles. And then that means you're going to be working your glute max less. So stop loading a barbell on your back. If you want to maximize glute development, just use a pair of dumbbells. That's what I do. Hold it off to the side. You don't have to hold it up in the air or on your shoulders or anything. You want to take as much stability out of it as you can. And you want to be loading it properly. And also, I just hate using barbells now because they just fix you into a weird position. Your hands are just all the way back there, externally rotated, and your shoulders are just weird in a weird position. So again, it just feels more natural. It just puts your body in a more natural position. And like I said, if, we, if we're choosing the best exercise, we want to be putting your body in as much of a natural position as it can. And you're not going to get that with a barbell, so just stick with dumbbells and... Honestly, loading, you're not going to get to the point. I mean, I wouldn't say never, but there are a select few of you who probably have the genetics to get that strong. But that being said, no one is going around uh, split squatting like 315. So don't worry too much about getting too strong for the dumbbells. All right, and that about wraps it up. I covered all three of the exercises I wanted to. I also cover them in really great depth about like what it trains, how to perform the exercise, common mistakes I've seen um, a lot of people on social media, as well as both my personal experience working with people, just seeing their bodies move and seeing what people like naturally tend to make the mistakes of. But uh, that being said, I really hope that this episode helped you guys. I definitely think this topic is something that I also enjoyed talking about a lot. Like I know the other episodes are just kind of me like, ranting and really just going through like some of the like nutrition stuff that i'm just like sick of people asking so that's why i made those episodes but i think this episode was really driven just by me like loving the exercises and yeah and again like i said for the past like year year and a half i've really got in gotten into uh glute training and really learning how to like maximize glute development and truthfully it's just a really fun like muscle for me to train because I, at least for me, I, I like the concept of like building a bigger butt, building a stronger butt. And if anything, it's fixes a lot of problems that people have just having a, like a strong butt fixes a lot of lower back problems as well as, um, just a lot of stability issues as well. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a girl, if you're a guy, if you are a different genders, it doesn't matter. Like I think anyone can benefit from building a bigger and stronger butt and hopefully this episode definitely gave you the right tips to do so and thank you so much for listening be sure to leave a review if you enjoy this episode and the other episodes as well yeah written reviews definitely help but you don't have to uh be sure to leave a five-star review if you did enjoy everything and written reviews definitely help me get to know what this, how this helped you more in depth. But yeah, that being said, thank you so much again for listening and I will catch you in the next one.